Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We fall, we have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers out there who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you fall into one or more of the above categories, explore our episodes and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Fresh content is added every single week. We have over 130 episodes. Dive in. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Today, we are going to dive into one of my favorite topics. This is actually at the core of what we do here at our Business Creators Institute. And what we're going to be talking about is how to stop being a slave to your small business through the power of simple systems. That sounds a lot like emancipate the power of information through simple technology so you win at the game of business and marketing. So when I saw this topic, I said, gotta have it, gotta have it. And we were especially honored that Joshua Latimer was so eager to join us for the Business Creators Radio Show episode today, Josh Latimer of AutomateGrowSell.com. Let me just tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. Joshua left his job as a banker for J.P. Morgan Chase to start a cleaning business in Michigan, which he eventually grew and sold to a California-based cleaning conglomerate in 2015. Now, he's living in Costa Rica with his four kids and wife, where he helps small business owners from all over the world understand the power of business systems and automation and the freedom they can bring. Joshua is the founder of AutomateGrowSell.com, an online business training platform for small local service businesses, as well as SendGym.com, which is a follow-up automation tool. It's a smartphone app for busy professionals. And I am so excited to hear about that. We are going to talk about that a little bit over the course of the hour here. But Joshua, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me, Adam. I'm, I'm ready to talk. Let's, All right. Let's... Let's add value. All right. Before we dive in here, what I want to do is just take a quick step back. I read off your bio there. We got a little bit of your life story. But if you could just tell us a little bit about where the intersection of your brilliance and passion is that drove you to make the moves you made. Well, it all starts back a long time ago in the city of Flint, Michigan. And if people are familiar with Flint, most people never were. But now they are because it's national news, the water crisis that's going on in Flint and you know, Hillary Clinton's been there. All these politicians are going there, and it's just been a total spectacle, and people are very sick from all the water, and it's just it's a really rough area. That's where I was born, and I grew up just uh, just in a, in a little, very low-income town just on the edge of Flint for a lot of my life. And for me, I was, I was not raised in an entrepreneurial home at all. I mean, nothing of the sort was discussed, and my parents are incredible people. They work very, very hard, and the the industries in Michigan are all fueled by the auto industry, so it was very blue collar. Right. Um, but there was some there was always something in me that was just a little off. You know, I was never I could never really wrap my head around you know um, just complying with the whole idea of a job. And so after high school, you know, even in high school, I was starting to read real estate investing books and <laughs> rich dad poor dad and all these things, and I was just beginning 
to kind of introduce myself to the idea of you know entrepreneurism and all these other options and you know long story short uh, I did go the traditional route just due to social pressure and thinking that's what I was supposed to do so I wound up working uh, as a banker uh, helping people with you know investments and, and lines of credit for their small businesses and things like that and I, I love finance and all that but you know part of me just felt like I was I was suffocating you know I'd go to I'd go to work with my little tie and sit in my little cubicle and I just felt like I was going to hyperventilate sometimes. I mean, it was really bad. When I was 25 years old, my wife got pregnant with our first son. We have four kids now. When she got pregnant, I, I completely freaked out. And I just knew that I was a round peg trying to be shoved into a square hole. <laughs> it just wasn't going to work. So I took the leap and I started that cleaning business. So uh, you know, lots of pain and suffering. I am not some Harvard-educated, you know, traditional path, super genius guy. But what ended up happening to us is as I grew and scaled my, my business, I started to understand the power of, you know, systems and automation and delegating things and, and building a team and focusing on culture and all these other things that really just catapulted my, my company. And so, yeah, now I run a software company. I'm doing some other things. I travel a lot. I live in Central America. And all of those opportunities were afforded to me really by just getting the concept of automation in your business, no matter how small it is. You know, uh, there are some very big similarities between your story and mine. Uh, growing up, I was surrounded by what I thought was a, and do think, is a very loving, supporting atmosphere. But the idea of entrepreneurship was, it, let's go a little bit beyond discouraged. Uh, it was to where anything other than going and getting a job, drawing a paycheck, and fighting your way up the corporate ladder was considered a get-rich-quick scheme and something that nobody ever really makes any money at. Uh, so there was a big emphasis on study hard and get good grades and everything else. And you know, I did all that, and guess where I ended up? 25 years old in a cubicle wearing a tie. <laughs> I can and, relate to yep. I can relate to that. Let look, me tell look, you. Looking around at this and uh, working for supposedly one of the more progressive companies, but finding myself in an environment where people were obsessed with org charts and assessing the value of a person as a human being and whether or not they were capable of telling the truth based on where they sat on this organization chart. I mean, you could almost make episodes of The Office based on, or, or Dilbert cartoons, based on some of my experiences. In fact, my supervisor <laughs> used to coach me on how to work my way through that environment because it was a mid-sized company with three or 400 people. And a lot of his coaching was to study Dilbert cartoons, and that would be my key to success. If that wasn't telling you something, then holy goodness gracious. Now, I went, yeah. got my MBA in human resource management, and I did the, you know, the networking job search thing, and I got two job offers. And in both cases, those job offers came from small businesses that weren't hiring at the time, but were, were interested and willing to create positions for me because I showed up on their doorstep. So I looked at that, and you know what I did? I turned them down because I didn't want to work for a company. And at the same time, I thought, wow, if I could persuade the CEOs of two mid-sized companies to create a position for me, even though they weren't hiring, I just think I could do this myself. And I went into entrepreneurship. Uh, it took me two years to get to the point where I did it full time. And now if I knew then what I know now, that would have been more like two weeks. But hey, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. 
So I understand that aspect of it. And what we're going to cover as we go through our time here together, at least in part, is how we may become a slave to our business because of some of the things that happen to us in the corporate world, where there's this emphasis on things that, in my opinion, actually bring up slavery. And I think we'll, we'll get into that a little bit as we go along. But before we dive in, I'm so excited to do so, and I want to spend most of the hour on this. Uh, there is one question that we ask everybody on the Business Creators Radio Show. You hear the drum roll in the background, and Josh, I know you've listened to some of our episodes, so you know what's coming. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that they are told to do, except for time and money. This is a question we ask everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. What I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, time is, you know, the most precious commodity on the face of the earth. You know, one of my favorite statistics is 10 out of 10 people die. (laughs) And uh, we're, we're, you know, and it's not a morbid thing. It's just true. You know, we have a a limited window of time to do something while we're here. A lot of people, um, they mismanage your time, including me. I mean, it's a constant moving target. We need to constantly try to optimize our time so we can do what we really want to do. Like I mentioned, my father, he works a ton of hours to this day. He works very hard. I mean, he does very well at his job. He's very successful, but he doesn't love his job, right? I mean, it's not his passion. He did it out of obligation to take care of his family. Then decade after decade flies by, and then you're kind of locked in. But so if you have an opportunity now and you're listening to the show and, and one of your, your deals is I don't have the time to start a business or I don't have time to do this stuff, you have to create time. You have to create space. And the way that you do that is by being very, very intentional about where you spend every minute that you spend, you know, because, you know, Elon Musk or someone like Steve Jobs, these guys all have the same amount of time in the day that we do, but they're hyper-productive. And it comes through being very, very focused and intentional. The, the other side of your question was money. What do you do when you don't have money? You know, how I can't start a business, I don't have money. And really, it's just a cop-out answer because, I, like I said, I grew up in Flint. Flint is like Beirut. I mean, it is so bad there, you can't imagine. I mean, there's areas where the police don't even go there until the next morning, right, if there's a call. Right. Uh, there's so much suffering, so much poverty. And, and, and thinking you can't do something because you don't have money comes from a a corrupted core belief system to begin with. It's a self-limiting belief. So can you start, you know, a million-dollar McDonald's franchise if you're broke? Probably not. But that doesn't mean you can't take any action and you're off the hook and you're a victim and woe is you, right? So there's, you know, even the cleaning businesses. Um, I have friends with $15 million cleaning businesses, and these are businesses you can start for a few hundred bucks. You don't have a few hundred bucks? Go dig a ditch for two weeks and save it up. I mean, the bottom line is is that if we want it bad enough, we will find a way to do it. And, and sometimes people don't really, really want it. They want it a little bit. They like the idea of it. They like to think about it when they're laying in bed, but they don't want it bad enough to get up and make it happen and take action. You know, that that is very true. And you look at some of these business leaders, and that is the thing I like to remind people all the time. They have – $10 billion, $15 billion. They're running 250 companies. They don't have extra hours in the day. It's just they are so, I like to say, ruthless with how they spend. 
every minute of every day. Uh, like these little things that a lot of us go through in life that that uh, you know trip us up. Like let's say, for instance, somebody posts something on Facebook that we don't agree with and we have to argue about it for two hours. You see them doing it? No. Uh, or we allow like life stuff to distract us from our core mission and our core values. Uh, or putting up with high-maintenance people. Do they do it? No. They either outsource it, but more likely they ignore it. So these are just a couple examples of how we can become easily enslaved to our environment. But today we're here uh, to talk about stop being a slave to your small business. So let's start with your take, Joshua, on how, why do so many small businesses, and I know you do a lot of work with local businesses, service businesses, realtors, those types of entities, why do so many of them struggle? Well, I, I think it, it's rooted in them not acknowledging or not understanding, not even intentionally, but on a subconscious level, they, people don't believe that they're really in control. They don't take responsibility and say, I can get out of this. I can fix this. You know, I might not know how, but like, this is the thing. I can move towards making my life not so miserable because people start businesses a lot of times because they're an artisan, they're a technician, they're really good at something. Maybe they're an apprentice and they're a plumber. And they're, they're really good at what they do. And so then when they get older and they become a master journeyman plumber, they say, you know what, I, I'm going to start a business. That's what I'm supposed to do. Or maybe you're a baker. You're really good at baking. So you say, I'm going to start a bakery. And so they, they start their business around their technical competency to begin with, right? And as it starts to have success, things get out of control. You know, in the beginning, you don't have any customers. You have nothing but time. But if it starts to work, and then the phone's ringing, and then you're trying to pick up your kid, and the phone rings again, and then you get book another job, and, you get another, and then you get an angry customer. And as it starts to scale, because people aren't intentional enough with you know, the architecture and the structure of their business up front, um, it just overtakes them. And then what happens is, is they just become a firefighter. You know, they're just right. going from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue, and they work their guts out. Like, these people work hard, but they get become slowly miserable, and like I said initially when you asked that, they don't really feel like they can fix it. They don't, they don't believe that they're still in control. Uh, and a lot of them just don't know where to start. Yeah, uh, this came into relief for me in about, I think it was like 2007 or 2008. And I had planned, I remember specifically, it was a Wednesday afternoon. And I had planned, uh, there was nothing on my calendar. I had no appointments or anything like that. And there were a couple things I wanted to get off my plate. I was going to spend the entire afternoon working on these things. And I have no idea how the hell this happened. But then it started right around 1230 in the afternoon. My phone started ringing nonstop. I mean, literally, call after call after call after call. My big, big mistake was I took any of the calls. And when I looked at all what all these calls were about, I had to ask myself, why is any of this even reaching me? Because there was a project manager in place who was supposed to be handling all this stuff, and none of these things were in any way, shape, or form urgent. Why was the stuff not intercepted before it reached me? I thought I had systems. So I discovered that I had to do some work on my system. So it can happen to anybody. And the reason I remember it was Wednesday is because I immediately implemented a policy just because it happened on a Wednesday that uh, I literally turned my phone off on Wednesday. It didn't matter if uh, a nuclear bomb dropped. You still wouldn't be able to get a hold of me. Yep, and you said the keyword systems. And here's a little secret that um, 
I really get excited about. Everybody listening to this, your life, your marriage, the way you engage your kids, your business, every single thing about all of us, even the way we think, we already have systems. And so when I talk to people, they say, you know, I really need to put some systems in my business. What the, the proper way to look at it is they already have systems, but the systems aren't designed, they're not calibrated to serve you the way that you want them to serve you. So it really begins, and this sounds cliche, because I love podcasts and stuff and reading, and you hear it so often we get numb to it, but it begins with your why. You have to know where you're pointed towards before you can really calibrate a system to get you there. You have to know why do you get out of bed every day? Why are you doing this? I ask uh, business owners all the time when I work with them, Okay, what's, what's the mission statement in your business? What are we trying to do here? Well, my mission statement is to provide the best customer service in Southeast Arkansas. Well, no, no, it's not. You're, that's, that's how you could get to your mission statement. Your mission statement should be something like, you know, my desire is to be a t-ball coach in my kid's t-ball team within the next six months by reducing my workload, you know, 15 hours a week by this date, and making this amount of money or whatever. And then how do you achieve that? Well, by being the best customer service provider in Southeast Arkansas. You know, so we get things backwards, and people don't have any clarity about what they want. Everybody knows what they don't want, but only a very select group of people really know exactly what they're trying to do. And that's when you get these super entrepreneurs, people that are really dialed in. They know how to say no to everything except that one thing. They know how to optimize their day and their time and their systems to push them and propel them towards that singular thing, their why. Yeah. As I like to tell folks, if it's not hell yes, it's hell no. And I also yeah. say that every time you say no, you are creating somebody else's yes. And even to the point, let's say you have a prospect coming on board. Uh, let's say you are like a, like a done-for-you marketing services company because we have a lot of listeners that have that type of business. And I'm in the process of transitioning out of that type of business, so I've been in it for a long time myself. And you may have a prospect come on board. They, you, know, you had a phone call with them. You did the initial assessment or whatever it is. On paper, they look good. You have your customer avatar that you've taken all that time to create, and they meet 12 out of 12 points. You have a checklist of the 10 things you're looking for in a client, and they meet 10 out of 10. But, you know, there's just something about this that just, I know I'm not going to wake up in the morning just because of this client. you got to say no. But that's okay because there's somebody out there that will snap that client up in a second and do great work for them. So not only have you stayed focused on your yes by not allowing yourself to be distracted by trying to fit a um, – uh, like a like a an octagon inside a circle, but you have created an opportunity for somebody else at the same time. As I see it, everybody wins. Yeah, and you know, as you succeed in in, prof in your professional career or with your business, as you start to win, it gets harder and harder because you have more and more distractions, more opportunities. There's always something you can say yes to, always. Right. But if you are small still, if you can develop the habit of saying no all the time to tons of stuff and stay laser focused, you can, you can put that in place as part of your you know, fundamental mindset right now. It's going to serve you better later because saying no is just part of normal daily life for highly successful people. They, they're inundated with opportunities. and we, A lot of entrepreneurs, including myself, have shiny object syndrome. You know, there's so many things we could do. 
There's so many opportunities. I, I can't drive to the grocery store without thinking of four business ideas. You're probably the same way. People listening to this are the same way. But yeah. you can't do everything. You have to define your why. You have to focus on it. And you have to say no to everything that gets in the way of that. You're in brainstorming mode. Uh, and this is, this is another success habit that's taught is when you're in brainstorming mode and you have ideas coming out, just write down all the ideas. Don't judge them. Don't roll them out as you go along. Just write them all down. And then, after you finish your brainstorm, go back and start scratching out the ones that don't fit and get it down to one or two is usually the best way in my book because it allows for that space for the right things to emerge and at the same time keeps you focused because you're able to look at it objectively and say, okay, this is a no, this is a no, this is a not right now, this is a maybe next year, this is a hell no, this is a forget about it, but this one looks good. And that's how you do it. Yep, I agree. That's really good advice. And you don't want to, you know, uh, throttle your own creativity or anything like that, but you have to be able to measure every opportunity and everything that you do every day. Measure it against your why. Why am I doing this? What, when I started my company, I had these visions of grandeur. What did that look like? You know, because after five or ten years, it, we just lose it. We get numb. We don't even mean to, but it happens. And so you have to evaluate everything that you do. And, and really, this goes down to a very granular level. Uh, everything you do every day. You know, when you start to automate and systemize your business after you do decide your why, you got to start documenting what do I do every what do I do on Tuesday at 11 a.m. You know, how did I spend my day yesterday? And you, you slowly start to identify all the stuff that you can move off your plate to create more space for yourself. And throughout the process of doing that, over time, you you end up moving to higher and higher level activities. You know, I teach people that they are the chief executive officer of their business, even if it's just them. I mean, they have to have a mindset that I am the CEO of this organization. And so if you are uh, the baker and you sweep the floors at the end of the night um, and you're stressed out, you know, that, that's like a low-hanging fruit, easy thing to say, you know what, let, let me create some space for myself and delegate off the sweeping of the floors to some, someone else so I can focus on the business itself and high-level mental activity so I can – really set myself up to move towards my why. Right. Yeah, it's 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 all about it's all about those types of things. Uh when I first got started with systems, uh you know, moving beyond myself, developing a team to support the operations of my business, and this is back when uh, I had a web development firm and we had a lot of clients. Uh I, I at one point we had 43 paying clients on the board. It was a pretty big deal. And there was an appointment that needed to be scheduled between myself and one of the clients. And, uh, and I had just brought on a new assistant who was just getting acclimated. And this is before we had scheduling software like Schedule Once and Time Trade and all that. And I guess the guy was frustrated because it took a whole five hours and there still was no appointment scheduled. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, so, and, so I, and so I got a note from him saying, can't you just schedule this yourself? And I said, absolutely not. Uh, I have a person who is designated to do this. They need to be held accountable for doing it. And you as a business owner should understand this better than anybody. He didn't like that. Well, you're too bad. <laughs> well, you're leading into a really, really powerful nugget for people. Yes, go and for it. And it's, it's, our, it's our desire to be the, the quarterback instead of the coach. You know, we want – you know, and I'm talking about American football. I don't know if you have international listeners, but, you know, we do. the quarterback's the, the main guy who throws the football. You know, he throws the passes. And he's the star, right? So 
entrepreneurs, they take a lot of pride in their ability to, to do everything. Like, no one will do it as good as me. No one will this and that. But if you're going to be, have an executive-level mindset, if you're going to move towards your why, if you're going to build a real asset, a real company, a machine, something that produces you income, even when you're not looking at it and touching it every five seconds, if you're going to do that, you have to take on the role of a coach and stop being the quarterback. So the story that you just outlined was one of those, you know, normal run-of-the-mill opportunities for you to run from the sidelines, put your helmet on, grab the ball, and be the quarterback, right? But saying no to that, even even though it might have caused a short-term, you know, cash flow loss for your business, was the right choice because you have to develop your team and you have to let them, you know, make mistakes. You know, I tell people on my team, you, you have permission to fail. Like, you're not a, a you're not a drone. I, you, right. you can use your brain. You can make decisions, and it won't be perfect. And you coach through it. If the running back fumbles the ball during practice, the coach doesn't run out there and put on shoulder pads and try to become <laughs> the running back. Right. So you and you you work through it. So you know there is an error. There is an inefficiency in the system with the scheduling. So I'm sure you work with your assistant and and you whatever you put in place. You know it, it wouldn't take five hours in the future. You make it more efficient, but the mistake people make, especially with local businesses, is they, they, they have very little patience for people that aren't as good as they are at something, and they immediately take the ball back and become the quarterback, and they continuously screw themselves over by doing that. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I brought up this example because it's a very simple one. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, so we can focus on you. But the answer was very simple. I just went to my new assistant. I said, look, this is one of my top clients, and over half a business day has gone by, and they still haven't heard back on their request to schedule from me. We have a standard of three hours on this, so you got to get back to them right away. And she said, okay, and did it. And in the future, these got responses within three hours during the business day or if they came in at night by nine o'clock the next morning. So just a little coaching is all it took. Yeah. You're just, you know, part of systems is optimizing and iterating your system. So like I said a few minutes ago, everybody already has a system. So it's just, is it serving you? If it's not tweak it, adjust it, spit shine it, it's create some space where you can just think about stuff. You know, a lot of people don't have time to just think, you know, is this the best way to do this? How do why do I do this? Is there another way that this can be done? Is this the most? But we don't have the mental bandwidth to focus on that after we've been a firefighter all day running from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue, to issue when, we, when we're a slave to our business. This brings up an interesting point. This goes a little bit off script, but I think this is something that we need to spend a minute on because it's so important. Uh, in your work with business owners and entrepreneurs, have you found that there is a significant tendency for people to – bend the rules on their systems uh, or be flexible in a way that doesn't really accommodate them because, oh, it's a big client and they're, they have a lot of money and a big market reach. Absolutely. I mean, I, one thing, one of my favorite little isms is progress, not perfection, right? So systems, they can be elastic to some level, but, you know, your general default mode has to be to honor the system, honor the system, follow the process, don't deviate. You know, you're going to have niche scenarios where weird things happen and you have to, you know, jump in the field or put out a fire or do something. And right. you know, that, that's okay because it's about progress, not perfection. It's about these small incremental changes over time. And then you wake up one day and you go, oh, my goodness, like I have a business. You know, for me, man, when I, when I first started, you know, uh, my cleaning business, I told my wife, gosh, you know, if I can just figure out a way to make, you know, at least, you know, $500 a week, we, can, we won't starve. 
You know, I just, I got to figure out, and it's such a small, silly goal, you know, but, you know, incrementally over time, you know, through automation and team building and making the right decisions and saying no to things and putting other people in place, you know, that little humble goal, it grows. You know, I started with a Chevy Cavalier with a ladder strapped to the roof and uh, it was a joke. It was terrible. Right. So, but you know, then, you know, we fast forward, you know, to recent times and the business does, you know, $40,000 a week in cleaning stuff. And how does that happen? What happens by me slowly, not perfectly, but slowly to the best of my ability over time, honoring the system, tweaking and optimizing and entering the system, building a team, trying to be the coach as often as possible and the quarterback as, as least as possible. That's all great stuff. I want to push this just a little bit harder because this is something that a lot of my own coaching clients have run into is uh, what do you do when you have that quote-unquote whale client that just pushes back and you says, no, I'm a, I'm a big client. I really shouldn't have to go through all these processes. Uh, you have your other clients, but then you have me. I shouldn't have to deal with this. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it, it, would, it would depend. But if, if we, right. that's not a fun answer, so let me be decisive and right. tell you what I think. Um, <laughs> uh, you need to honor the system. It doesn't matter if they're a whale because what really matters is your why. Your business is created to serve you and your family and the, the stuff that you care about. I mean, I'm a big family guy. I have four kids. You know, we're all learning Spanish. We're in Costa Rica. I, you know, I, my office, I have a separate building uh, on our house. I have a little hammock outside my office. I go sit in it. My kids bring me breakfast. We'll go in the pool. The reason, you know, that lifestyle was my why. You know, being able to attain that was my core, stomach hurting, not in my belly, purpose. And if I wouldn't have said no to that big client, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be serving that why. I wouldn't be moving towards that. So, you know, if you lose a, a deal, but you're moving towards your why, who cares? Who cares? You, it's all about you and what you want and how your business can serve you. And it, it's really hard to say no to clients like that. Um, but you can do it, and people do it, and I've done it. I've learned the hard way that uh, if you have somebody who shows up on your doorstep and they're a prospect and they're two minutes into the conversation and they're already complaining about your intake process, that if you even indulge that or try and have any, any understanding of it, it's only going to get worse. I can't think of a simple case, uh, a single case where I bent like a spaghetti noodle and thanked myself later because it led to any sort of opportunity. I've also found that in all but of rare, of very few rare cases, the ones that show up wanting special treatment and discounts, promising that, oh, if you do a good job for me, I have 20 other clients for you, doesn't happen. You might find one out of 20. And the one out of 20 that actually are going to deliver all those great clients for you aren't going to show up themselves asking for special favors. If anything, they're going to be looking for a way to pay more for preferential treatment. And sometimes paying more is the way to go. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Uh, I also... Uh, you know, I went from that and, uh, then I went, uh, I had a, a different experience and this was a little over a year ago where somebody I was doing business with, um, sent an unsolicited referral over to my business. And this referral, uh, uh, was they, I don't want to get into the details, but let's just say that they were incapable of scheduling a phone call rude to my assistant 
and then tried to demand that I drop everything just for them when they screwed everything up. And then when I said, no, I won't do that, they went and uh, tried to publicly bash me with uh, my friend. And then my friend comes to me wanting an explanation, and I told him what happened, and he tries to tell me about how I need to do this and I need to do that. And if I'm going to send referrals to you, I need to know they're going to be treat, treated well and all that. And I said, well, look, number one, if that's the type of referral that you're sending me, uh, you if that's the quality that I can expect, you can keep them all. Send them to my competitor who doesn't do a good job. And number two, I never. <laughs> and number two, why? I don't even quite understand why this is happening because I never asked you for referrals. Didn't know what to say well, to that one. Didn't know what to say well, to that one. <laughs> well, it's a tough thing, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day, your business is yours. Right. And everybody listening to this, it's yours. You can do whatever you want. Right. But the question, and this is a very personal internal question. Oh, sorry, my office line's ringing. Uh, the the yeah. question is, is your business serving you or is it not? And, you know, we can either honor the will and the whys of all the people around us or we can honor our own vision and our own why. And, you know, most people are people pleasers. I struggle with that at times. We all want people to be happy and we want to say yes and we want to do everything. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, you have to be laser sharp on, you know, why you're getting out of bed, what your business is there to do, and it's not there to take care of that crazy guy. It's there to serve you and your family. Yeah, yeah, and 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 my and my friend said, I mean, with all due respect, because this is somebody who I truly love as a human being, said, well, you know, you can you know blow off anybody else, but when it's my people, and I said, well, if your people ever treat me like that, you better believe I'm going to blow them off again. It's like there's yeah. there's there's no bend here. There's no special treatment. Uh, you show up and you treat me with respect. I'll treat you with love and adoration. Uh, but uh, don't start the relationship by by relieving yourself all over me and my business model. That's just not going to work. Uh, well, I've we've literally fired dozens of customers. Even even back with the cleaning business, uh, we had people that were just a bad culture fit. They did right. nothing but destroy morale. They were super you know hard to please. Nothing was good enough. There's no appreciation no matter how hard, how hard we work for them. And so one day I literally pulled the list of all the crazies, you know, all the crazies, so to speak. And we got on the phone and we let them go. And my staff thought we were crazy. I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, we've been reviewing your account. You know, you're not a good fit for us. We're not going to be able to serve you anymore, but I, I can't email you some names and numbers of some other companies if that helps you. Uh, but we will not be doing work for you any longer. And my goodness, does that flip the table on people? They don't know what to do with that. But uh-huh. we needed we needed clients that were compatible with my why. Right. You know, in the in the early days, maybe you're more flexible on that because you're trying to just get legs. But once it starts to succeed, I mean, you really can build a business. That's fun. Like, why can't you have fun and enjoy your work and make money? Why is that not a thing? Why do we? Why Why do you have to be miserable and work with people who are rude um, to succeed? You just you don't have to. So if anybody's struggling with that, just go for it. Fire them. Right. I th- I, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said for that. And the way this, this, this story usually goes, and I've heard this so many times myself, is they were so afraid to let that client go. Because after all, they were making money off that client. And then because they weren't, you know, distracted by all the high maintenance of having to deal with that pain in the ass anymore, suddenly, within literally within hours, a great business opportunity came over the horizon, and thank God they made the move. that how it went? Well, don't, don't, don't yeah, don't, don't sacrifice your long-term why. Don't sacrifice your personal vision for your life on the altar of some short-term revenue. It just doesn't make sense. It's very short-sighted. 
So you want to build a company that serves you, and that's going to mean that you're going to make tough decisions. There's going to be pain involved. Uh, it, whatever you did to get to this point with your business, to take it to the next level, you have to do different things. You have to think differently. You have to think at a higher level. And saying no to stuff and, and all the things we're discussing, there's going to be you know, un- discomfort as you begin to live your life like that. But the, the results it will produce for you on the back end so far outweigh any of the discomfort today with a bad conversation or saying no to a client or whatever. It's so lopsided in, in awesomeness, right, to achieve yeah. your why that there's no, there's no question to someone like me because I've went through the whole process now. But I do understand and have compassion for the confusion, you know, because it's just short-sighted. They, they don't want to lose revenue. They're panicky. But they continuously sacrifice their own, their own desires on the altar of that short-term revenue. I know, and I went through a transition in my own business over the past few months, and uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Richard Weiler, who's involved with guerrilla marketing and a bunch of other things, uh, gave me a piece of advice, Um, and I'm giving him credit for it because this is so brilliant and it changed everything. Because uh, I came to him, you know, I had this challenge, I you know, felt like I had a uh, done-for-you business model that was very active, had a lot of great clients, everybody was paying on time, charging good rates, but it seemed like there was no money left and I was working like a slave. And uh, he told me that he could spend 20 hours coaching me through this or he could give me the answer in five seconds. So I said, five seconds sounds good. He said, don't take on any clients unless they're, charging you, unless they're paying you at least $5,000 a month. Yeah, now, it's that tough, was it's, tough, it, it's hard. It was probably hard to actually do that the first time because well, there's, <laughs> there's unknown. Yeah, you know, uh, I I got to tell you, I shriveled up a bit at that one. I'm thinking, holy hell, I'm used to taking on a project that has an average lifespan of 30 days and charging between 5,000 and 7,500 for that. But now I'm not even taking on any new clients unless they commit to a monthly, and it's 5,000 dollars a month. But you know, Josh, there's a funny thing that happened. Uh, I had a few prospects on the board at the time, and I knew they were nowhere near that. So I told them all that it was nice chatting and maybe sometime in the future, but not now. And son of a gun, wouldn't you know it, two days later, somebody who was listening to a podcast, not even this one, but another one where I was interviewed, couldn't even remember which one it was, just as she heard my name, came to my online scheduler, booked an appointment, and a week later, she was my first $5,000 a month client. It's funny how I that works, isn't this it? This one came to me out of the blue, and she's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I've had the same types of things happen. I mean, you, you can't be all things to all people. So, again, you know, what do you want? And why did you start your local business? And if you don't know what that is, take a week off. Create space. It's literally worth stopping and pushing pause and walking away just to think, just to think about what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why did I start this originally? Trying to get yourself back on track. And once you have that vision, every choice you make, every customer you bring on or let go, the way you engage your employees, everything is in alignment with that singular focus. And there's no wrong answer for that. It can be anything that you want. Um, but that's the way it's got to be done. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something else, too. Um, if you walk away from your business like that for a week and you're not sure where you need systems to support your business, without you there, the cracks will show pretty quickly. Yeah. Which means, <laughs> that's which, very which true. means you'll know exactly where to put in the work and you're going to just take 
giant leaps and bounds away from being a slave to your small business because since you're not constantly in fire fire mode, you're going to be able to take a step back and see where are all these fires coming from. And you're going to be able to fireproof those areas of your business. I love that fireproof. That's really good. I mean, yes. I just want people to win. I want them to be happy. I want them to go on date night with their wife. I want them to be a good dad. I want them to invest intellectually and emotionally in the, the team members they have. I mean, we 10 out of 10 people die, like I said, and, we need to do something fascinating on the planet before we die, but we can't do everything to, and be all things to all people. You know, no one lies in their deathbed. No one. It says, right. oh, I'm so, so glad I dealt with that, you know, really hard project back in 1988 that paid that extra $10,000. Man, I really crushed it there. You know, uh-huh. everybody says the same thing, the same thing. They're like, I should have loved more. I should have hugged my kids more. I should have been less selfish or whatever the case is. And so, I'm only 34 years old, and I have a lot of stuff I plan on doing with my life still. Yeah. And But I want to take that information of every single deathbed person saying the exact same thing, like, oh, my God, I have you know regrets and all this stuff. I want to try to apply that to my daily behaviors right now. Why do I got to wait? I, why can't I learn from other people's mistakes? And people listening to this, you can do it too. You are in control. It doesn't matter if it feels like you're in control. You are. You can push pause. You can pivot. You can walk away from stuff. You can start businesses. You can do anything. You know, the first person you have to sell is yourself. Yeah. You know, um, uh, we have about 20 minutes left here, so I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I've spoken about this at length on other episodes of Business Creators Radio Show, and I've been interviewed on this topic alone on several other people's podcasts. Uh, There was a time, uh, go back nine years, it was nine years ago, 2007, and my, my business systems were basically breaking down, and it was because of pressure being put on them by not one, but three simultaneous clients from hell that were, you know, you guessed it, referrals from other people that I was doing a favor for, right? And I got so just frustrated and with a sense of hopelessness that I took my printer and smashed it into 100 pieces. But <laughs> like office space. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. When I moved to a nicer apartment two years later, we were still finding pieces of that printer. And I looked around and I saw that, that piece of equipment and the thousands of pieces of it laying all over the, the, my home office floor. And I looked down and I said, you know, this really, really, really sucks. But right now, I'm having a better day than my best day working for somebody else. You know why that is? Why? Because if you're working for somebody else and they take a crap all over you, uh, depending on their position on the org chart, you probably have to thank them and tell them how right they are. When you own your own business, <laughs> you can say, you know what, I- I'm-, I'm through with this. this. This just ended. And you can stop right there and you can start making changes. Uh, let's just say a couple high-maintenance clients found themselves no longer clients about 10 minutes later. And I looked at why were my systems not protecting me from all this. And by the end of the day, we had several new systems in place. And within two weeks, we were completely out of the hole. But because I had the control of my destiny and the recognition that I had the power right now to make this change, I did it. Well, massive action is the name of the game. And, you know, just to help anybody listening, you know, I am, I am nothing special. I, I don't know 
you know, you don't have an information problem, most of you guys. It's not like you need another secret special trick and how to build the business you always wanted. It's not about consuming information until you're blue in the face. Most of us have enough raw material to go crush it right now. But the problem is we don't take action. And actually, we don't take massive action. We don't do stuff. We strategize perpetually. We, we think and we, we come up with ideas and we, we talk at the bar with our buddies and we talk about all the visions of grandeur. And then when it comes to the daily behaviors, the, what you're doing when no one's looking, on a Tuesday, when you're freaked out, when you've got to make a tough call, you know, we take just enough action to fail or just enough action to be miserable. And your example of you, you know, freaking out and breaking your printer, it just, it, you got to the point where you, you, you had no choice but to take massive, decisive action. You did something. It's not about being, having the perfect choice. It's just about making a choice. And right. so many of us get paralyzed by, uh, do I do this? Do I do that? I don't know. Do I do, you know, and you just have to just, cr- just take massive, I don't know what else to call it, massive action every single day. Even if you don't have all the information, it will work itself out because of the amount of momentum you create for yourself by just moving forward and being in motion and having, you know, activity. Yeah, and after that, I went, bu- I went and bought a new printer. It's a Canon wireless network printer. I've had it for nine years. It runs like brand new. <laughs> so, Good <for> you. <laughs> so, 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 th- so there we go. Um, just something I want to spend one minute on. Uh, boy, this is, this is something I bet my ratings are about to go up because I'm going to mention Donald Trump. Um, I saw a documentary about him. Uh, and if you look at some of the things he's done historically, all the business deals, the buildings, and then he got into the deal with the with uh, the airline and the football league, and then uh, you know some of the experiences he's had over the past nine months running for president. If you look at, there's a trend with him, and this is something very interesting for entrepreneurs. What you have to notice about him is whenever something goes wrong, or he makes a mistake, or he makes a really bad deal. That gene that's in most human beings that causes us to be once bitten, twice shy, or to suddenly become very timid, or to start tiptoeing around, or be afraid to make a move, that doesn't exist with him. He can lose $100 million, or take a 20-point hit in the polls and just shrug it off. Imagine if entrepreneurs had a tenth of that ability, how much faster they can move. Well, there's no doubt that he's a guy that takes massive action. And, and on, on the backside of that, he's a person that definitely knows what he wants to do. Yeah. And, you know, nobody else is, is going to, you know, alter that. He's so focused. It, that's what drives people crazy that hate him. He just is unshakable in his drive. He's not going to stop. He won't shut up. He won't keep trying, uh, stop trying ever. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the unstoppable characteristic there so if you can grab a piece of that the piece of that that enables you to just keep moving to be able to make mistakes look at them learn the lessons quickly and he wrote about this in one of his books i think it was think big and kick ass in business and life it's the one he wrote with uh the guy who founded the learning annex uh and he and he wrote about this if you make a mistake spend five minutes look it over find the lesson grab it move forward yeah, well, I'm I'm convinced convinced that the number one characteristic of people who succeed is is really one thing, and it's being relentless. And yeah. I love I love reading biographies and hearing the stories of you know Walt Disney and how oh, you know, yeah. Dr. Seuss Dr. Seuss you know got re- turned down by 27 
book publishers before he got his first book published. You know, uh, Stephen King threw away his first novel and his wife ripped it out of the garbage and said, are you crazy? You're not quitting. You know, he's just going to stay an English professor. And, you know, the story after story after story after story after story. But the common thread with all those people is that they just keep getting up and doing stuff. And that's where massive action comes in. But really, it's about being relentless towards your why. And it's really hard to be relentless unless you have a, a defined destination. And again, a lot of people don't have it. I guarantee a lot of people listen to this are like, I don't even know. I don't know. What do I want? I don't know what I want. Right. You know, I haven't thought about it. And it takes a minute. It doesn't matter if it takes six months. You know, make sure you figure out what it is because only then will you have the, the inner drive to be relentless. I like to use Winston Churchill as an example. Um, here's a guy who had a lot of failures, who made a lot of mistakes in public service. And by the mid to late 1930s, he was widely written off as a has-been, somebody who had failed, somebody who had royally screwed up in almost every job he'd ever had. And he was considered a fringe element, an alarmist, somebody who was basically talking a bunch of BS, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how do we typically remember Churchill? What do we typically remember him as? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just saw something online about an interview with his wife. I, I don't know a lot about Churchill, but I know that he must have had a beautiful younger wife. He did. And and uh, they asked this lady, you know, why why this guy? Because Winston Churchill was this like, cigar smoking fat old man, right? Yeah. And she said she said you could have you know any young wealthy Englishman or whatever. And she said you know young men. Um, Oh, gosh, how did she say it? The, the point is that she said she wanted to be with someone who was going to make history, you know. And so to answer your question, I rem- people remember him as a man of action, and they remember him as a leader and for all the things that he did. Uh, and Are you familiar with the speech he gave, the never, ever, ever give up speech? Of course. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite memories from him. And, you know, when he did that, the university was really ticked off. They paid him, I think, a bunch of money to make the speech, and he walks up there, and there's all these – you know, highly educated. I don't know if it was at Oxford or where it was, but right. he walks up there to give this, you know, graduation speech. And the whole thing lasts like a few seconds. And he just says, never, ever, ever give up. And he walks off the stage. You know, that's the story I've heard. And it, what does that mean? I mean, he told everybody, be relentless. That's what he said. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Um, you don't right. have to reinvent the wheel. This is the commonality between every person who's accomplished greatness on this planet. They're relentless. They don't stop. They won't shut up. They won't quit. They constantly get back up. And my, my entrepreneurial path has been paved in pain and suffering and bad choices. Paved. Now, I always joke that I have a bachelor's degree in pain and a master's in suffering. Um, but you don't quit. You just keep going. And everything typically works itself out in the end. You're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, what I, what I like to think is we remember, we remember Winston Churchill as the man who saved Great Britain and uh, saved the free world. And here he is in the late 1930s, and he's basically had a career full of failures with a few highlights. What it really comes down to is his moment just hadn't arrived yet. Yeah, he was he, but he was, was still in the game. He, he was, was still in the game when it came. Yeah, he was built to be the man to save his country when Great Britain was on the ropes, on the you know, the Battle of Britain, all of Europe had fallen to the bad guys and they were coming for Britain next. He was the guy to stand on the barricades. Uh it's just it just wasn't his it, his time just hadn't come yet. But when the intersection of the brilliance 
and the passion emerged, which for him happened when he was 65 years old. It was his, it was, he made one of the greatest contributions we've seen in modern history. So as I like to say, another example I live to like to give folks is William Shatner, who, you know, is known for Captain Kirk, TJ Hooker, Star Trek. Uh, uh, he played a whole bunch of different roles. And uh, I like to remind them that he won his first Emmy in the year 2004 at 73 years old for a guest appearance in a show that had already been canceled. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he yeah he won his first Emmy for playing the role of Denny Crane, not on Boston Legal, but when that character was a guest character on The Practice during its last season. That's what he won his first Emmy for. After all that in his career, he gets an Emmy for a guest appearance. If you haven't gotten your trophy yet, you got to just keep going. Yeah, you can't get a trophy if you're not in the game. Right. So. Really, to summarize all this stuff, just don't don't quit the game. Don't walk off the stage. Don't drop the mic. Just stay out there no matter how painful it is, and it will work itself out. It will. I promise. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of our listeners tuned in, and we have about five minutes left here, so I'd like to shift gears, and I think this is where everything is heading. Uh, you heard the title of this episode, Stop Being a Slave to Your Small Business Through the Power of Simple Systems. And I know that a lot of this episode has actually been about mindset. That without this mindset, you can't have the systems. But once you have the mindset, the systems become extremely simple. So systems, you can almost buy them off the shelf. Or you just have an understanding of how to get the most out of your day. You can create the systems very easily. That's the power of simple systems. But Joshua, you have created a system that especially for small businesses and service businesses, is amazing. So what I'd like to do is talk about that a little bit. We want to talk about a specific system, and it's at SendJim.com. So tell us about Jim. Well, you know, the idea with SendJim is this is a technology I built for myself originally. And as I, you know, poured more and more time and money into it, I kind of had a light bulb go on and say, oh, my gosh, this, this is its own thing. You know, this, right. so many other businesses were like, I want that. You know, how, do, can, how can I do this? So, you know, and a lot of businesses start out that way. But it's a, it's a mobile app. You can get it in the App Store, the Android, Google Play Store, and it's Send Gym. And the idea is, is most local small businesses don't spend enough time following up with their current book of business, with their current customers. We really drop the ball in that area. Because we're busy and we're stressed out and we can't do it all. And it's an easy thing to neglect because there's no pain and suffering caused by it today by right. not doing it, right? But, you know, everybody focuses on new customer acquisition. How do I market? How do I get new customers? How do I... But they're missing the boat when they don't focus on eliminating attrition. So let's say you have a bucket and you're walking on the beach and you're scooping gold nuggets into the bucket. Everybody listening, that's your business. The problem is, is that... Nine out of ten of you have a big, giant hole in the bottom of your bucket. <laughs> and the right. reason you have that is because you're not top of mind with your clients. You're not loving on them enough. You're not relational enough with them. We have a transactional mindset instead of a relational mindset. So I built this app, and the app is very simple. It's inexpensive, and it's, it's, it's simple. It sends postcards, and it sends emails. And it does it for – these are physically, you know, mailed through the, in your mailbox, Right. But you grab your phone, when you're done working with a customer, you take a picture of, of them or their house or something relevant to what you do, and then you push a button on the app and you put the phone back in your pocket. Well, 
what happens is absolutely unbelievably powerful for especially local businesses is it sends them a sequence of postcards spread out across the whole year. You know, it sends them a thank you card. It sends them a ask for referrals email a week later. Four months later, it follows in and checks up. Hey, we're just checking on you, just making sure you're taken care of, you're highly valued. Six months later, hey, there's an appointment reminder, you're due for another whatever, fill in the blank. The point is, is it takes the, 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 the drudgery out of not dropping the ball, following up with your clients, which you know, most people don't even ever hold the ball. It's just rolling around on the ground because they don't follow up with their clients. And it puts it into an app that takes like 23 seconds to fire off one of these sequences. And you don't have to think about it again. It just it automates that. And for me, you know, most little businesses, they're not going to spend $500 a month on some super expensive, complicated, you know, automation plat. They don't even want to think about that. They can't deal with it, right? They, they can't even afford it. So I built this tool for everybody else, all the smaller people, all the people who just need a break. You know, they want to systemize their business, but they can't build an entire marketing department yet and they can't pay for Infusionsoft or some complex automation platform. So it fits in your pocket. You take a picture of their house, you push the button and it's all taken care of for you. It's super simple and it works really well. Yes. Yes. And thank you very much for sharing that with us. So that's a sendjim.com and I, it's, it's a mobile app and it's very Great. I've had a chance to look at it myself. And this is something where systems come into play. And this is where you stop being a slave to your small business. Because one of the biggest places that small businesses lose it is when it comes to follow-up and prospect nurturing. Uh, when we're running around uh, servicing all our customers, keeping the lights on, dealing with our employee and our team issues, remembering to just check in with that prospect or, or send a little nurturing note or a postcard to that customer tends to get short shrift and it becomes and I and unfortunately I worked for a company like this when I first came out of college which is all about what's going on right this minute and uh, and if you're and if you're picking up the phone call just you know picking up the phone just to place a two-minute phone call to somebody just to check in with them then uh, basically you're wasting time because it's not important right now well there are two times to plant a tree one is right now and the other is 60 years ago yeah, well, relationship marketing is the name of the game, the new economy. Customers have the, the attention span of a goldfish. They That's for, right. Even if you're great, if they're, even if you're great, they just forget. They don't care about you every five minutes. As soon as you leave their house, they're taking their kids to soccer and they're worrying about their own life. So it's just a, a, a very well-proven, common-sense strategy to spend a couple dollars, I mean, literally just a few bucks a year, and just stay top of mind, connect with them. But just to be clear before we go, um, this is also the greatest lead generation tool I've ever seen for local businesses because right. we use it as well to get the phone to ring with new business because you've got to remember, if, if you see you know, a house that's a good customer for your business, you take a picture of it. You, these postcards all have a picture of their house on the front of the car. And so the response rates are insane. I mean, I, we got quadruple the response rates off of any direct mail I ever used in my business. And I've, I've done it all. We don't have time to get into it, but there right. is not a, a, a more personalized postcard on the planet than this. And it's very simple right. and it's very cheap and it works. Absolutely. And I, the reason we named it send Jim is, is, you know, you don't have time to follow up with your clients, but Jim does. So send Jim. That was kind of the, the cheesy idea. behind <laughs> it. 
I love it. I love it. Well, you know what? We're right here at the top of the hour, actually, and uh, we could keep going for three hours here, but unfortunately, uh, we're about to get cut off by the next uh, program. So, uh, Joshua Latimer of Automated, uh, excuse me, AutomateGrowSell.com and SendJim.com, thank you very much for being with us. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you. I, I'm very humbled by it. I had a lot of fun. Likewise, I feel like I'm the student here. So, again, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing.